Hey everyone, welcome to Active and Connected Families. Today we are talking about sleep hacks for teens and adults. So some pretty easy changes that you can make to your sleep routine to help you fall asleep better. But more importantly, some pretty easy changes that you could use with your teen that could help them sleep better without starting a huge fight. That's my goal here is to help you help your teen better without starting a huge fight. I think if you want to learn a little more background around sleep, you can listen to last week's podcast with Allison Edgity. It says it's about helping elementary school kids with sleep, but the basic tenets of sleep work for babies all the way to adults. So you'll understand the importance of sleep a little bit better if you take a listen to that. This one is pretty simple, pretty straightforward. I'm talking fast, giving a ton of information, but I think it would be useful if you want to help your teenager sleep better. Thanks so much, y'all. Hope you have a great day. And if you like this podcast, don't forget to subscribe and share. Active and Connected Families is a smart, relatable conversation with me, Dr. Amanda Sovic-Johnston, child psychologist, mother of three, and entrepreneur. I've spent my career providing family therapy and supporting high-achieving mothers, and maybe even more hours with my girlfriends trying to figure out how we can all feel more confident in our work and our relationships. And you all, there's one thing I've noticed. We're all struggling in some of the same places, and we're all looking for some down-to-earth advice that we can actually use. So on Active and Connected Families, I'll share some of the insights I've learned, strategies for those daily fights about laundry, some expert perspective on the bigger issues like the mental health crisis, and me chatting with my therapist friends about how we can all feel a little more active and connected in our lives. Throughout, I hope to make you laugh at least once, but I know I'll leave you with something that'll help you become a better parent and maybe even person. Thanks so much for listening. Hey everyone, welcome to Active and Connected Families. Today we're going to be talking about sleep hacks for teenagers and honestly sleep hacks for adults too. And the reason I call these sleep hacks is because I think they're actually realistic and doable and I'll talk to you more a little about that in a few minutes. But the reason I'm talking about this topic is because I went and spoke at a local school this week to about 60 teenagers and the topic was managing anxiety. And of course, one of the major strategies for managing anxiety is to get really good sleep. And so I asked them, how many of you all are having a hard time sleeping? And I would say about 80% of them raised their hands. And then I asked, how many of you are scrolling on your bed, scrolling your phone from your bed or doing your homework from your bed? And about 90% of them raised their hands as well. And I realized I have a topic that I need to be talking to everyone about. We all know screen time does impact your sleep. And we also know how hard it is to get screens away from kids at bedtime. So I'm going to give you some strategies that are way more realistic, way more doable. So one of the things I like to remind people about when we're talking about sleep is that it comes and goes through a lifetime, right? Like, And this is true for kids, this is true for adults, and this is true for teens. It is, sometimes it's really easy to sleep and sometimes it is really hard to sleep. And so 
you can base some of these interventions and some of these strategies that we're using on how hard it is to sleep at a given point in time. So for me right now, I'm a little more stressed. And so I'm not sleeping as great. During the summer, when I exercise a lot and I get more sunlight during the day, I sleep significantly better. So I actually use different strategies at different points in my life, depending on how I'm sleeping naturally. So one of the reasons it's really important for us all to be sleeping, it is, you know, sleep helps promote learning, it helps promote focus, it helps promote attention, our ability to manage our emotions, it improves depression, it improves the quality of our relationships. I mean, sleep really does everything. And we know that we all feel better when we sleep. Our teenagers do too. So part of what I try to even start with teenagers about is letting them know why it's important and letting them know why doing the work is actually useful. And really the easiest thing that I teach kids about is that you can't remember anything if you don't get eight hours of sleep. So if you are working on a math test, you're not going to remember anything that you learned in class if you don't sleep for eight hours that night. If you are an athlete and you tried a new skill at practice and you finally mastered it, your body is not going to remember the feeling or that muscle memory if you don't sleep that night. Because sleep is where we encode all of our memories into our brain. We need those eight hours to encode the information. So there's really no point in doing any learning of anything new if we're not also committing that time to sleep, to encode it. So if you're going to go to school during the day and you want to retain any of that information, you got to get that sleep. So many times I tell kids it's a time saver to sleep. You know, they've done that study where they had college kids, they, they had a test and they had two sets of college kids. One group, they said, hey, pull an all-nighter, take the test. And then the other group, they said, hey, you have to get eight hours of sleep. And even though that eight hours of sleep group had significantly less time to study, they actually did better on the test because they got more sleep. They gave their brain the opportunity to remember what they learned by sleeping. So they they did not have to study as much. So that's the good news, y'all. The other thing I think about with sleep is kids always say like, well, how can I sleep better? You know, if I I really don't like that, I don't sleep or I do feel anxious. So I want to sleep more. or I really want to learn more, but I just can't fall asleep. And so the first thing that people and parents do is they look at these sleep hygiene. Um, I don't know, sleep hygiene, like Google how to sleep better. And you'll get all these sites on sleep hygiene and sleep hygiene is great, but it's also really, really, really boring. When you look at strategies online that are like how to sleep better, they are the most joyless, fun-stealing strategies you could ever come up with. I can't do them because they are stealing my joy. And I cannot imagine as a parent, you want to get into that power struggle with your kids that's going to be stealing their joy. I'm being a little bit dramatic, but when you look at sleep hygiene stuff and it's it's pretty strict it's like all screens out of the room you know no screen time 2 hours before bedtime wake up at the same time every day you look at it and you're like this is not realistic i'm not going to have my teenager wake up the same time every day or if i try to take my my kids phone an hour 2 hours before they go to sleep 
they're never going to have any friends. These are not realistic strategies. And so that's why I call these sleep hacks. And what I really like to do is I like to do the most minimally invasive intervention in order to improve sleep loosely. So, and what I mean by minimally invasive is I'm going to do a small shift in a pattern. And if that small shift helps a kid sleep better, great. If the small shift doesn't really help, I'm going to go to my next level of intervention or my next hardest thing. I'll see if that one works. If that one doesn't work, okay, that's fine. We'll go to the next level, but the next level might work and then I'll stop there, right? I don't want to steal everyone's fun, create entirely different routines, you know, make everything a relationship that's already, you know, stressful between parents and teens. I don't want to add to that drama. So I'm going to do the most minimally invasive strategy from there. And by the way, at different times in our lives, different strategies work, right? So over the summer, I'm able to have my phone in my room. Um, I I get pretty good sleep during the summer. I'm usually more relaxed, so I don't have stress. And so I can sleep with my phone next to my bed. Usually in the school year, it's a different time. And so I use a different level of intervention. My phone has to be out of my room if I want to sleep at all. So here are the strategies. The first is a little psychoeducation, which is I talk to kids about why sleep is important. I just explained that to you all. You can regurgitate it. You know, I can throw it into other little conversations that I'm having, but part of it is just psychoeducation. In that psychoeducation, I might start reflecting on my own sleep patterns, which is like, you know, oh, guys, I'm taking my phone out of my room. I'm always talking to my kids about this. I'm getting the phone out of my room so I can sleep tonight. So I'm talking about the things that I'm doing to protect my sleep as, and I'm modeling those for my kids if I'm doing it. Now, by the way, I'm not like hardcore about all the sleep strategies. So I'm not saying be a perfect person, but I'm saying when you're using one, you might as well talk about it to model it for your kids. Additionally, I talk to kids a lot about how screens impact your ability to sleep. And I know kids are so tired of hearing about screens and screen time and parents are so tired of fighting with their kids about screens and screen time. So I hate that I'm like diving into this again, but the reality is, is that it's super important and you might as well know why. So part of my psychoeducation with kids is explaining to them that screens are the most exciting thing that our brains do all the time, right? So every time we look at a screen and we see a new image or we get some new information, our brain is like excitement, excitement, excitement. It is a dopamine hit that feels good and it's very, very addictive. People spend billions of dollars making everyone, not just kids, and I'm very, very clear with kids about this. It's not just kids. It's it's parents, it's me, it's it's everyone. We're all fighting this battle. So screens are very exciting for our brains. That being said, in order to fall asleep, our brains need to know that we are in a safe place, that we can turn our brains off. We're not going to be around anything exciting. There's nothing to be scared of. You know, we have hunter and gatherer bodies and we need to know that essentially we're going to be okay if we fall asleep. So 
realizing that screens in many ways are kind of the exact opposite of what we need when we sleep and really talking about how the two of those, they do not go hand in hand. And once kids understand that a little bit, they are they are more able to put some interventions in place around screen time at night. And when I say interventions, like what I mean is almost their own boundaries with that. If you are enjoying this episode and want more mental health support for you or your family, visit us at www.virginiafamilytherapy.com. We're a mental health practice with offices in Lynchburg, Charlottesville, and Northern Virginia, and we provide teletherapy across Virginia and North Carolina. We offer psychiatry, individual, child, and family therapy, and even have some after-school appointments available. Again, that's www.virginia, spelled out, familytherapy.com. Thanks so much for listening. So the other thing I explained to kids is that sleep is all about habit and routine and letting our brains know that it's okay to fall asleep. And the way our brains know that is because of the series of cues and routine that we're giving our brain to let to let us know that we're safe. And so that's why people really talk about a healthy sleep routine because you're essentially saying like, you're in your bedroom, light is off. This is my brain's cue to turn off. And so that's why we ne- we don't sleep as well when we're traveling. Like sleep is about habits and ritual. And so you have to create the routine in order to turn the brain off. So I explain those things. And then I, that is when I might start with my very, very minimally invasive ways to change the sleep routine. I'm not going to go like full board with all those sleep hygiene habits. I'm going to go slowly with small changes in order to get the teenagers on board. And I'm also going to, I can likely make some change that way. Allison Edgity spoke last week about how she does what she calls experiments with her kids. She'll say, hey, why don't we do an experiment? Let's do two weeks of no screen time in the morning and see if you start sleeping better. And let's talk about that. So you can do that same strategy with teenagers, which is saying like, hey, let's do an experiment. Let's just see if you sleep better if we make this change. After two weeks, let me know. And you can see if those strategies work. So here is my order of small changes that I make. The first one is that I have so many teenagers and and college kids that do their homework in bed. Bed is like the place where they want to be all the time. It's the most comfortable place to do their homework. It's also the most comfortable place to scroll on their phone. So when they do that in their bed with their head on one side of the pillow, they're essentially creating a habit that when their head is on that side of the pillow, that pillow is not the place you turn off. That pillow is the place that you get really excited and really, really stressed. So I have kids move to the other side of the bed when they're doing their work and the side with the pillow when they want to sleep. So I literally just say one side of the bed is for work, one side of the bed is for sleep. You're going to train your brain that you can slow down when you're on this side of the bed. So essentially that's my least invasive strategy. And I do tell a lot of kids that college kids, because they really only have a bed in their room, but that tends to work. I do it at my house. Like sometimes I will try to scroll on my phone from my husband's side of the bed, and then I will sleep on the other side of the bed. It's ridiculous, but 
you know, it's worth a shot and it at least gives some sort of understanding of sleep habits to teenagers. The second one would be to scroll and scroll on teen, use, use your phone and do your homework, not in your bed. So you can be in your bedroom, but do it on a chair or do it on the floor. So protect that bed for sleep. A lot of sleep experts will say only use your bed for sleeping and sex. So that's a little bit what we're, what we're moving into here. Like when you lay your head on that pillow, the only thing you do there is sleep. And so that's the way of creating that habit, that ritual that's going to let you feel safe. Another strategy would be to do your homework outside of the bedroom completely. If kids are doing their homework in their bedroom, they're associating their bedroom with a place of productivity, a place of stress, a place of anxiety. And so you're not getting that automatic cue of when I walk in here, my brain can turn off. So a lot of kids do better when they do their homework outside of the room. A little hack for that is getting some headphones so that they can't hear whatever is happening in the house if they're doing it like in a downstairs dining room or something. I also have kids move their phone across the room. If that doesn't work, I would have them move their phone outside of the room. If that doesn't work, I would move to no screens. By the way, when I say phone outside of the room, I mean like for bedtime. Another one would be no screens 60 minutes before bedtime to allow them to unwind. The, prob- the problem with that is that it leads to less social interaction and people really frequently do their homework really, really late at night and then go to sleep. And so that's why that's kind of a later intervention is because it's really hard to do 60 minutes of no screens before bedtime, but some kids genuinely need it. Um, another one is no screens at all first thing in the morning. Some kids don't have as much of a hard time falling asleep, but they wake up early in order to get on screen. So if you take away that option, they might sleep a little later. So I would go through those strategies. I might do one or two every week until I find something that works. Those typically will do the trick. I hope you don't have to go all the way through to number seven um, just for the sake of your relationship with your kid. Because I think if if you have a kid who's scrolling in bed and not sleeping, making all these changes will feel hard. So definitely start with the easier ones first. Now, there is a small subset of kids that has a really difficult time with waking up on Monday or specifically on Tuesday morning. So if you have a kid who misses school regularly on Tuesday mornings, I have a strategy for you. And many people would be like, what are you talking about? How is that related to sleep? But here's what happens. On the weekend, many teenagers stay up very, very late. And in doing so, they really mess up their sleep schedule. So for instance, you have kids on Saturday, they have a sleepover, they stay up till 2 a.m. They sleep until 11 a.m. So they sleep until 11 a.m. on Sunday. So when they sleep till 11 a.m. on Sunday, essentially they're not going to get tired until probably 12 midnight, 11 p.m. or 12 midnight, because the way we get tired is actually more about how long we're awake. Our bodies have set rhythms for how long we're awake. And so if you wake up at 11 a.m., you're not getting tired until 12 p.m. So you could put your kid to sleep at 10, but they're going to lie around and not be able to sleep. 
Then when they have to wake up for school the next morning at 7 a.m., they've only gotten like seven hours of sleep, maybe six. They're grumpy, they're miserable, but they muscle through. Then the next day, they go to sleep maybe a little bit earlier. So it is actually 10, but they have a pretty big sleep debt from the two previous nights, the Sunday where they just went to sleep really late because they couldn't sleep, and then the Saturday sleepover. So they've got what's called a sleep debt. And so Tuesday morning, it feels impossible for them to wake up. They don't want to go to school. Sometimes they miss school. This also happens on Mondays too, but some kids can like muscle through on Mondays, but Tuesdays are impossible. So if you notice that on Monday and Tuesday, your kids are having this hard time, I might do some weekend sleep interventions, which kids really, really hate. So here we are. And also, by the way, when you're talking about sleep debt, usually Wednesday, Thursday, Friday go better. Kids get them, get themselves on a better rhythm, but then they mess it up immediately the following weekend. So this variability can be super tough for kids. So here are my weekend sleep strategies. And the first one is instead of doing sleepovers or staying up super late on a Saturday, I would push that stuff to Friday. So if you do it on a Friday, you have two days to catch up until Monday school. So that's just an easy intervention. See if you can get sleepovers pushed to Friday and that should be fine. The other the other strategy that I use, which is a little bit annoying, but also really useful is I control the wake up time on the weekends. So part of the reason kids get into that sleep debt in that in that um, explanation that I gave is that they're going from their typical wake up time during the school week would be 7 a.m. And then it becomes 11 a.m. on the weekend. And that's just a four hour swing. It's really hard on your body to, to have a consistent sleep routine if you have a four hour swing on the weekend. So what I'll do is I'll say, I'll, I'll create that swing to only be two hours between weekday and weekend. So if you have to wake up at 7 a.m. during the week, you can't sleep past nine on Saturday or Sunday or on any non-school day. If that isn't even working, I would go to one hour. So really control your wake up on the weekends based on your wake up time during the week. Okay, y'all. My son Cole is coming in. He can hear me. Um, he's about to go to sleep. It's 9.15 here. But thank you so much for listening. I hope this was useful. If you need any more support, like if your kid is actually you know, so anxious and these strategies don't work, they're really having a hard time not sleeping or they're sleeping too much, then you can always call us for some more specialized, thoughtful advice on how to help them sleep. Okay. Thanks so much. Hope you have a good night, y'all. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to like and share the Active and Connected Families podcast if you found this helpful. And if you or someone you love are interested in therapy, you can find out more about our practice at www.virginiafamilytherapy.com. Again, that's www.virginia, all spelled out, therapy.com. Thanks again.